Hey, welcome to High Resolution. My name is Bobby Goshal. And I'm Jared Arondu. We're sitting down with 25 masters of the design industry. If you've joined us for the last couple of weeks, we certainly have been learning a lot. We hope you've been learning a lot. We're gonna to continue to do that. We're gonna sit down, we're gonna talk about how the best companies in the world approach, communicate, and deploy design every single day. In this episode, we're speaking with Dave Lipman. Dave is the VP of Design at eBay. He'll focus on his years at Apple, where he was the creative director of online retail, how and when to use intuition versus data, and how eBay uses data. We'll get to the episode after this quick message from our partner, so stick around. For decades, design has impacted how we live. Now it's beginning to shape how we work. Here at IBM, design thinking has given us a new framework for teaming, for co-creating with our clients and users. It's helping us make decisions faster, and it's keeping humans at the center of everything we do. Dave, thanks for joining us. Thank you, happy to be here. Awesome. Um, so first question, what's one thing about design that's clear to you that you don't think is so clear to other people? Hmm. Um, maybe, it's, maybe it is clear, I don't know. The, the thing that jumps into my mind is that there is this, this tension as a designer between creativity, craft, and being strategic. Um, and that is like this constant tension that I think all designers tend to feel in one shape or form. Um, and when I, you know, when I grew up and went to college and all of those things, like it was all about craft. It was all about craft and it was all about the craftsmanship of being a quote unquote designer. And I think that there's been this shift over, over the years, obviously, where, you know, you can't just show up with that one component, with that one skill set. And, um, I think we haven't figured out as, as an industry um, which one of those things leads and which one of those things recedes. And I think it probably varies from moment to moment. But I think that's something to me that I'm just, I constantly see our teams um, trying to balance, but we don't really talk about it. Um, or we haven't talked about it a lot in the past. And it's something that just sort of continues to be popping into my head lately um, that I'm not sure if it's, if it's fully understood by, by others. How do you, how do you know when a specific one should lead? Because to your point, I mean, there are yeah. times where craft yeah. should lead. Right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think part of it is what the problem is, yeah. you know? Um, I think that's probably the biggest, the biggest thing. Um, I also think it's, you know, um, well, I guess, I guess it's probably, the, the biggest part is, is what's the problem we're trying to solve? Um, and um, when are we in the process? And what are the outside factors that are sort of pushing us through these decisions? Um, so I think that's, yeah, for me, I think it's, it really does come down to the problem. Um, yeah. do, you, do you bring some visibility, or do you spend a lot of time bringing visibility to the business with the designers that you work with? Like, do you get them involved with oh, yeah. uh, the executives, pitching, stuff like that? Absolutely. It's part of our sort of growth trajectory uh, at eBay is to make sure that um, the people who are um, responsible for the decisions of, you know, a product design decision, um, are, are accountable for the things that they, the, the decisions they make and have the opportunity to share the rationale. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it doesn't happen every single day. Like, it's not just a parade of designers walking into the CEO's office and saying, this is the thing I made and this is the thing, you know. Um, but we, we try to spend a lot of time making sure that um, everybody knows how to articulate and defend their decisions as, as a designer. Um, and it's, it's, it's good for everybody. What are some of those exercises like? Um, how do you mean? So you spoke about making sure that everyone knows how to articulate and defend. Uh -huh. Yeah. Um, I don't know if we have like a formal training regiment in terms of like how, what that is. Um, I think, you know, the, 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 the framing that we try to set forward is, you know, you know, always need to be set in context so that people understand. And for us, um, the customer is the, is the context that we're always trying to, to, to bring to light. Um, you know, there's lots of forces with inside of any successful company. It's the, there's the internal forces, there's the business, and then there's the customer. Um, and we sort of fashion ourselves as champions of the customer to make sure that we're always bringing the customer to the foreground. Um, and so it's super important for us to set the context of, you know, what their problem is, what their journey is, what the opportunities are around them. Um, and make sure that we have a strong articulation of that before we get into any sort of like presentation of, 
you know, what a, what a solution might be. So I don't know if a lot of people know this, but um, you spent three years at Apple before you before you came here. I did. Um, before that, you you were a partner at your own small design firm. That's uh, right. That you left to go to Apple. Um, what I find really interesting is the timing of the whole thing. You went to Apple in 2011. Mm -hmm. um, you, while you were there for three years, grew into uh, the head of the retail online retail. Uh, yeah, the design, the creative, creative director for. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And you joined when, when you know, Steve was still uh, mm -hmm. alive. Yep. Uh, he wasn't there, but he was certainly a presence. Yeah. How did, how did design change, like the approach to design, the way people talked about products mm -hmm. uh, during the three years since Steve's passing? Yeah, you know, it's, it's funny, and I think it um, sort of highlights the, the, the notion that, you know, the, the train never keeps, the, never, the train never stops, right? It doesn't yeah. matter who you are or what you do, and I think that's, you know, it was really evident at, at Apple after Steve died that um, nobody, I mean, there was an emotional break for people where that meant a lot and they questioned about, you know, what, the, what was gonna happen with the company. Yeah. Um, but everybody just kept making the same thing they, they kept making. Um, there was not really a change in ethos or uh, philosophy or anything like that. Um, you know, there were some decisions that I think um, Steve had drawn a line in the sand about around the role of e-commerce and marketing that we were able to challenge a little bit more after he wasn't there. But the day-to-day the -day of, of um, how Apple operated as a design is sort of a legacy of a, a strong design culture. And it was sort of built in um, from day one, I think. Um, or at least from the time I was there, it had never really changed that much. Um, which, you know, isn't that interesting of a story, but it's actually... Kind of, kind of a testament for the, for the, yeah, for the organization. Yeah. And how did the role of a designer at Apple contrast to designers here at eBay? And this could involve yeah. things like process, things um, they focus on. You know, I think the day to day of what a product designer does at Apple and does at eBay, at least in the groups that I was, I was a part of with e-commerce, and and some extent in, in marketing side of things wasn't terribly different. Um, you know, I think the biggest difference, and sort of what I was going to a little bit before, is um, that the, the place, the, the, the space that a designer occupied at, at Apple, um, it was elevated, right? Like design is, it, Apple is a design company. If you're a designer at Apple, and if, if you're a finance person at Apple, design is what is done there. Um, and so, um, you know, that's not necessarily, that wasn't the case at eBay, and that's not a bad thing. Um, I think 99% of the startups that happened in that era, yeah. design wasn't a thing. And so, um, there's a, like most companies, there's a lot more uh, work to be done to bring design to equal footing within, yeah. within, the, uh, within the organization. Yeah. If we, if we just like climbed a little bit higher, and so that's the role of designers in the organization. The role of e-commerce, though, yeah. Right. To yeah. eBay, like that is the thing. Well, yeah. Um, versus at Apple, right? Yeah. So how, like, what were the what were the different ways that yeah. Apple approached e-commerce versus yeah. how you're doing um, it today? Well, I think to that very point, it sort of taught that that one point about, uh, you know, at Apple, say, uh, e-commerce is just a sales channel, and right. at eBay, it's the channel. Yeah. Like, there's just one business that we're in, and it's e-commerce, yeah. and it's a dual-sided marketplace, right. um, which is incredibly complex. Um, and so um, at Apple, you were a, because you were just a one of many sales channels yeah. in e-commerce, you, you could push the boundaries um, and not have a massive impact, both in a good and a bad way, um, at, um, uh, on the company, right? Like you could, you know, switch out uh, the website with an image map and probably still sell close to the same amount of things because yeah. people just, they're you know, luxury items that people really want. Um, and at eBay, um, and, but there's a downside to that at, at Apple as well because you wind up toiling around the edges and you don't really have that much of an impact in, in customers' lives. Sure. Um, and it's actually the, probably the biggest thing that um, pulled me away from Apple to eBay was this opportunity to impact an entire business um, and for design to be one of the change agents to help bring about what a new eBay might be. Um, so that to me, that's like, that's the, 
the opportunity for impact at eBay, I think for any designer, is the thing that, that gets a lot of people out of bed, um, that you're impacting the entire business, not just this little portion of it. eBay is pretty well known, too, about using data quite objectively to make decisions. Yeah. I was curious, was that new when you came here? Is that, because like, everything I've heard about how Apple does things yeah. is not that, yeah. so, so coming here, that must yeah. have been some sort of a shock, right? Yeah, I mean, um, <laughs> you, could, you could say that. I mean, right. I think uh, if you were to try to quantify it, uh, you know, Apple is a relatively intuitive organization, yeah. sort of collectively intuitive, um, operating off its own gut, um, and they do it their way and they, they make it work. Um, and eBay, like most other companies, uh, utilizes data. Um, and it's absolutely not a bad thing, it's a great thing. Like, why wouldn't you want to have data? Of course, yeah. Um, why wouldn't you want to have more ammo for understanding your customers or understanding opportunities and problems, uh, especially as a designer? Um, so yeah, so it was, it was a shock to the system, but a very exciting shock to the system for me, like something that I felt was absolutely missing um, in previous experiences um, at, at Apple was the idea that the customer would actually be here um, and we could actually learn. So what I find interesting, <clears throat> this intuitive driven culture at Apple <clears throat> versus a data-driven culture here at eBay, mm -hmm. um, going from one to one, did you were there any elements of Apple that you brought over? Yeah, I think... Um, one of the things that I think can, can be the downside of, of relying on, on either one of those things completely is that you, you are unable to make a decision when the thing isn't there. So uh, at eBay, if you're, if you're making a new product or a new experience and if there is no data, how do you, how can, you, know, how do you actually know if you're making the right yeah. thing? And if you, if you only just rely on data to make judgments, mm -hmm. um, you, that other part of you atrophies, right? That other part of, mm -hmm. uh, of, of your ability to make decisions atrophies. And that's what, one of the things I observed when I got here. And it, it wasn't, it wasn't um, terrible in that sense. But I, what I saw was a lot of folks who would just say, oh, let's just see what the data yeah. says. And, and saying that about everything as opposed to saying it about the things where it truly made an impact. Um, and so... Um, we tried to we spent we spent a decent amount of time my first year here trying to help uh, rationalize when it was a intuition kind of call versus a data kind of call, um, and I think that that's that that teams appreciate that and it's it's something that I think as a designer you're always trying to balance those two things, um, and I think even as a product folk or, or engineering folks they would they would agree that like having some way to to balance those things would be really would be really good. So that balance is key. Um, what were some of the signals that you guys identified to decide between intuition versus data? Um, you know, I think um, one is understanding what data is available um, and when it's available is, a, is an important part um, and the kind of data, right? Yeah. So if you have all quantitative data and no qualitative data, you understand what happened, but you don't understand why. Um, and if you all only have qualitative data, you only understand why, but you don't know what happened. Right? It's hard because you don't have the amount of data that you need. Um, so one is just understanding the data, yep. uh, understanding its relevance to the decision that's being made. Um, and then, you know, I think on the the other side of it is um, when you get to that other side of of your intuition. You know, one of the sort of goofy questions that we would sort of um, make sure we asked ourselves was, um, do I love this thing? Like, would I want to use this? Yeah, mm -hmm. Like, do I care about this thing? Do I even care about this feature? Do I think it's a good idea? And if not, like, what am I doing? What data am I doing? What, what data am I finding to help me make an art, you know, find an articulation of why I feel this way about this? So that was, um, we had a set of, uh, uh, operational principles for the design group and, and one of them was I love this thing and it was this sort of like checklist of things as a designer uh, working on our teams that you know do you love it and if you do great and if you don't like maybe you should yeah. keep working on it um, keep iterating it's interesting it's like data doesn't have taste <laughs> no I haven't seen uh, maybe it does I don't know maybe, maybe we don't have taste and data has taste but who knows mm. yeah I'd like to go back to the moment where you decided to come to eBay. Mm -hmm. That was a big decision, right? You're leading a design 
Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think I mean leaving a job is a life decision. Yes. Right. T- t- totally. <laughs> <laughs> of course it is. Yeah. And 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 you're you're leaving a design-led company with a history of design mm-hmm. into a company where eBay needed you to bring your design sensibilities to work with the executive levels. Yeah. Um, and really help bring eBay into yeah. the design-led yeah. company list. Yeah. Right. So like yeah. that's a big decision. Yeah. Um, so, like, were you nervous when you when you first approached that opportunity? Did you think, wow, like, yeah. this is kind of a big deal? Yeah, I mean, I think there there was a bunch of parts to it. I mean, I think you sort of articulated both the uh, n- the part that would make you totally nervous and, and and skeptical of it, but it also illustrates the opportunity. Like, That's right. The challenge and the opportunity are usually connected to each other. Right? Of course. There's no, there's no, no way. Coin. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And so. <clears throat> and on a daily basis during that decision-making process, I would either err on one side or the other. I would just keep <laughs> flipping it and see which one right. ended up. Yeah. Um, but I think that, and this sort of goes back to something I was saying before about, like, um, one, the opportunity to impact the entire company through design was a huge, huge, huge plus. Um, it was uh, at a scale that I haven't uh, been at before, you know, going from a leading team of like 15 or so people to a much larger team, uh, you know, and in, in around 100 or so, uh, big, big change. Um, they call they call that an order of magnitude. That difference. is that is an order of magnitude. Um, and I think the other thing for me, I think there were some cultural parts um, that I continued to weigh around um, transparency within the organization, decision making within the organization. Um, and then just this, the, again, that opportunity to help transform a company, right? Um, I tend to, and most of my life have uh, found myself gravitating towards the underdog. Um, and Apple was a little bit of an anomaly in that sense. Um, and I think uh, eBay is not the underdog by any stretch, but I think um, it's a very, very successful business. But the opportunity to help transform it and become a design you know, a, a player on that list of, of design-led companies was was huge, mm. um, and so you know, um, I think, the, and then I think the last pit, bit that flipped the decision for me was around the company's purpose. Mm. Um, you know, Apple makes incredible products, and that's really cool um, to be around. But I think the thing that about eBay, in terms of just what its impact on the world is. It, you know, it's, it's a two-sided marketplace that if you have an entrepreneurial bone in your body you can, and you can sell things, like, you can find financial freedom. Yeah. Um, and that's an incredibly empowering yeah. um, thing to wake up and think about every day. Um, and so for me, um, that, was, that, was, that, was, that was kind of the biggest thing, I think, uh, at the end of the day. And then the last bit is, yeah, as a designer, designing... A two-sided marketplace yeah. is way more interesting and way more complex than like a traditional retail site. Yeah. Um, so many more problems to solve. Yeah. So there are people listening to this right now who probably have right, they probably have a very similar decision to make. Uh-huh. Right? They have career opportunities and they need to make a big decision about whether they should pursue something new or kind of mm-hmm. stick in the role yeah. um, that they're in now. Um, on the one hand, you have to be patient, right? So yeah. I'm, I'm curious as to how much patience plays into that decision-making process without being overly reactive or just jumping at the next shiny object. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if I'm necessarily, if you would classify me as a patient person, so I don't know how qualified <laughs> yeah. I am to answer that. Well, I, I, I think it's, you know, everybody's balancing act is like... Uh, <clears throat> Complacency versus, um, you know, just anxiousness to go do something else, right? Like, how, like, how do you know if you're being complacent or if you're just happy? Yeah. Um, versus your restlessness is actually a sign that you should go, or you should just you're maybe not thinking about it right, or you're yeah. not. Um, and so I think that those two things, like in life, we're all sort of fighting that fight on a daily basis. And I don't, I don't know if. Um, I don't know if people's careers are any different than that. And, um, you know, I guess the, the thing that I would say is like, um, you know, do you like the people that you're around? Are you learning? Are you making things that you love? Do you believe in the place? Do you believe in the company? Um, and 
what, how do you balance that against the opportunity? Like, I don't know, you know, maybe you just need to make a checklist and objectively put them down those, the, the two columns. Um, but I, I tend to gravitate towards those other things, sort of like in life, like, are you getting what you need out of it, right? And are you, or is your impact measurable, if that's something that matters to you? Um, I, I just, I wonder if seniority plays a role in this, though, because I, that kind of change doesn't happen overnight, right? So you didn't come to eBay and magically design became a thing. Like, you've right. been working hard at it with yeah. the executives here, and we'll get into that. But, um, you know, these things tend to play out in chapters. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You kind of first need to start establishing some principles and ground groundwork and frame a framework for non-designers to understand the role of design. And yeah. then you kind of work your way toward hopefully uh, getting the kind of work that would lead to good design. And then yeah. you hopefully get to a place where you ship good design. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, is there a way to like identify where you are in that? And it's probably not a linear yeah. map, but like where you are in, so you've spent three, four, one year at a place, and you're not happy, but maybe you're not happy because you need to probably stick it out just a little bit longer. Yeah. You know, a few things need to get kicked in yeah. that will kick in. Like, how, yeah. do you, how do you poke at that and like figure that out? That's a great question. Um, I mean, I think maybe part of it is, um, like, what are you seeing? What, what, what are the things that you're seeing that are leading you to believe that you're either being successful or not successful? Um, because oftentimes, in my experience anyway, especially when you're talking about like change, right? Yeah. Um, change is really hard. It means people have to do something differently. And um, you know, one of the things, like thinking about um, just my time at, at eBay, like <clears throat> there have been moments where it feels like nothing's working. Um, and be, because you know I'm getting pushback from people, or you know, but that's just people trying to rationalize something new in their lives, yeah. right? Um, and so it's important to, when you're looking at the things that seem like maybe they aren't going well, you know what 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 is behind that? What's a layer behind that? Like, um, is that actually a sign of something good? Yeah. Right. If people are actually rationalizing the change, that means they're trying to understand it and they're trying to. They're trying to figure out how to use it, or maybe reject it, but they're actually, they're paying attention at least, right? And um, I think we all have had experiences where people, you know, the ultimate sign of failure is like just total apathy, right? Like yeah. nobody's even paying attention. And um, maybe that's a sign, right? Like maybe if there's just complete like disregard in every possible way for the thing that you're. If you hate waking up in the morning, right? <laughs> totally. <laughs> Um, you know, maybe that's a sign that um, things aren't going yeah. the way that with the way that you want them to. Um, but again, it's you know, if you just take a single singular data point and try to analyze that data point and, and don't Makes think it. about it over time, yeah. you can get you can get blinded. Same thing with everything we do. So we spoke about some of the questions you ask when you're deciding whether to leave. Uh-huh. Um, but what are some that someone should be asking themselves when they're deciding where to go? Hmm. Um, well, I think uh, there's a bunch of them. Um, I think the, the the biggest one that I would say, especially as you're getting a little bit, well, no, I think at any point in your career, like what kinds of problems are you going to be solving, yeah. right? Like that was the that was for me um, leaving my design comp the par- company I was a partner at to go to Apple. Um, I went from solving like pretty. Um, you know, pretty basic design problems that I had been solving for a long time to something totally new for me. Um, those are that's a big deal. And then going from Apple to eBay, I went from this notion of um, polishing the edges of you know a quote unquote diamond um, to like helping transform a company. Yeah. So like I think thinking a lot about just the kind, even if it's even if it's still you're still making things from job to job, but like. What does the company do? Like, what do they stand for? Um, how many people am I going to impact? Yeah. Um, how are my decisions going to um, change people's lives um, or not change people's lives? I think so. For me, I think those are that's probably the biggest thing. It's just like, what kinds of problems do you want to solve? Um, I, the other one that's important for me, and I, I suspect for everybody else, is like, who are the people you're going to be surrounded by on a daily basis? Yeah. Like, do you like them? Would you go out to dinner with them? Like, 
if you do, if you don't want to go out to dinner with them or hang out with them, um, is that you know that's that's a hard thing to do. So it's it's my own personal sort of uh, thing, but I I think it's a big part of just how you're going to spend your time is and and who you're going to spend your time with is like sort of the fundamental question of life. Yeah, it, so- it sounds like you need to know where you want to grow, um, yeah. and you need to know what makes you happy yeah. because it's your job yeah. to be happy, right? It's kind yeah. of your, yep. your yeah. it's on you. No one's <laughs> gonna do that for you. Yeah, yeah and I think the other, I, I learned this um, a while ago, <clears throat> excuse me, um, was um, everything changes. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, um, I interviewed, interviewed for a job a long time ago and um, you know, I was in the interview process. I was like a art director or something, and I asked the question of like, you know, where do you see the, where do you see this role being in two years, and what yeah. do you see success? It's like the the quintessential yeah, like sure, JV yeah. like I'm here to do the interview uh, kind of question. <laughs> Buttoned up. Uh, yeah, yeah, just like, um, and the guy just looks at me and he's like, just stay here, mm. because every single thing that we're talking about right now in six months is going to be totally different. And so you need to make a decision about like this company and me as your boss and a couple of other things. Yeah. And it's partially about what do you want to learn and what's missing, but it's also just about like truly you're, you're, you're going to spend your time here with these people. And um, I think that was like sage advice. Yes, and I, I would absolutely, I believe it 100%. Um, everything changes and it changes all the time and what you go in thinking and what you come out like literally in a couple weeks probably totally different all of your assumptions will be wrong and everything will change for decades design has impacted how we live now it's beginning to shape how we work here at IBM design thinking has given us a new framework for teaming for co-creating with our clients and users it's helping us make decisions faster and it's keeping humans at the center of everything we do. Of course, we're inspired by our design program, which is over 60 years old. But today, IBM employs more than 1,300 professional designers, and we've certified more than 60,000 IBMers in the practices of IBM design thinking. The result? Diverse teams working more closely than ever with our clients, their users, and our partners to create modern solutions that provide differentiated, human-centered outcomes to the world. We'd love to share this story more closely with you. And I hope to see you soon at one of our IBM studios worldwide. We'd also like to thank our friends at Envision for their support. Envision is the world's leading product design platform, powering the future of digital design through their deep understanding of the importance of collaboration. They're used by some of the most innovative companies in the world, like Facebook, Capital One, Airbnb, and Netflix. Let me tell you three reasons why I'd use it. One, poor communication is one of the biggest blockers for talented teams. Two, when you don't get feedback from others early and often, you can get lost in the woods, and that's just bad for everyone. And three, without a prototype, it can be hard to show others your full vision for a design. Envision solves all of that. You can rapidly prototype at the front end of the design process and collaborate across every stage of the project. It simplifies virtually every aspect of the design workflow and makes collaboration a core part of the process for everyone, from project managers to designers, developers, and writers. Teams that build digital products are at a serious advantage when they use Envision's suite of prototyping and collaboration tools. It's the best way to get everyone on board. Visit envisionapp.com and use our access code INV dash high resolution for three months free. So Dave, take us through your first six months at eBay, um, especially the things that you prioritized. Yeah, um, it feels like a long time ago. Um, you know, I think it's, a lot of it is something any, everybody would do, right? Like meet everybody, just get to know every single person that was on the design team. That for. And not just on the design team, but my partners in the business, product, marketing, all of that kind of stuff. Um, and truly uh, try to understand like what mattered to them and what the problems were. Um, and when you're at a company as big as eBay, um, 
and that takes that takes like six months. Like it took a really long time. Even if I just broke them down into ten minute intervals, like I was meeting with a couple hundred people wow. and trying to actually make sense of any of that. So, well, at what point did you start actually doing the work? <laughs> well, I, mean, the I, I yeah. still haven't started doing the work. I, <laughs> yeah, uh, well, I think that's that's yeah. that's part of it, right? Because um, I think what we all all learn as designers at some point is like you're wrong all the time. Mm. Like your assumptions yeah. are totally wrong. And you know, when I walked in here and took the job, I had my assumptions as to like why isn't eBay yeah. shipping the products that we all think they should be shipping? Um, like, is it a problem with design? Is it a problem with product? Is it a pro you know like all of those kinds of things and. Um, until you actually talk to people and listen to people and try to and spend some time analyzing that, like it's impossible to know, right? Like, um, so I spent a lot a lot of time doing a lot of time doing that. Um, you know, I we, we did actually ship some stuff in that six months that I was here. Um, nice. The other thing that happened that was uh, pretty fascinating was um, we went through. Um, a, a couple of fire drills um, around from a technology standpoint that uh, dropped me in with a bunch of people that I had, had never met before on like, uh, you know, sort of crisis mode, kind of, you know, five days in a room together, war room style. Um, and that was um, the best crash course in understanding this business that, that I have in any of my experiences. Yeah. Um, both building the bonds with the people that I now consider you know, close uh, partners and friends, um, but also just learning in detail on the fly of like what it means to make decisions here. Um, and that was, uh, that was a really um, unscripted and important thing. I, I busted uh, my boss's chops for a couple months after that, asking him if that was just like a hazing. Yeah. Like, is that just what they do to everybody? They just come right. up with a fire drill? Yeah. Um, turns out it wasn't. It was just that, just me. Um, so, um, you know, back... So, I, it's just sort of, I think, what every designer does, whatever you're trying to solve a problem, right? You, you know, it's like design thinking 101. You're trying to understand. You're trying to... Um, make some informed decisions, and then you iterate. Like, I think that was my, f and I know that's pretty abstract, um, but I think as I was learning the people, learning the pain points, learning what yeah. the opportunities were, where we were being successful, what success actually looked like, I think that was kind of the biggest thing. I sort of mentioned this before of like, um, everybody has their own version of what right is, mm -hmm. and spending a lot of time trying to understand that, and then how that mapped back to the company, like what the company saw is right, and trying to find the deltas in there. Um, and so that was a lot of the first six months. There was organizational work that had to be done. There was process work that had to be done. Um, one of the, if you guys are interested in that kind of stuff yeah, around sure, process, yeah, um, <clears throat> one of the things that we, that we instituted not long after I got here, and it was, um, it was an interesting, it was a, it was a, interesting maneuver and potentially painful, it was actually very painful for the team here, um, was we started instituting design reviews, executive level design reviews ah. for every single project that was going through. Awesome. Um, and if you can imagine a, a, an entire product design and tech organization that didn't have to do that beforehand, that now all of a sudden had to go through this gate. Yeah. <laughs> Your change looks yeah. different in yeah. a lot of, for a lot of people, and I'm, I can. I'm, I'm curious what the first one actually felt like. <laughs> yeah, what'd you guys like, do? Who, like, was that hazing for that designer? Like, <laughs> right? It was. It was a pretty. It was a pretty fascinating moment. It sort of goes back to we were talking about the question of. It was actually where we identified the, uh, the question of do you love this thing? Yeah. Um, we were sitting in a design review, um, like second project to come through, um, and, um, you know. Designer's presenting his work, um, and he's like, body like worst body language ever, just yeah. like crumpled over, like, oh, like <laughs> just so bummed out about everything that they were presenting. Yeah. And um, the product manager sitting there right next to them, engineering leads right next to them, and so it's like the whole team's presenting. <clears throat> um, and so I, at some point, um, I paused and I was like, so do you actually? believe in this thing that you're presenting? Like, do you actually like this thing? Mm. 
And you know, he he looks over at the product manager, and the product manager is like, mm, I don't know how to yeah. respond. <laughs> you can't answer for no, me. I'm not. Yeah. And he's like, uh, and he said, uh, he said no. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that was like a really brave thing to do, and it was like a, a really powerful thing for me to to learn, a, like a powerful insight uh, to learn about like what was sort of happening yeah. underneath. Um, and you know, I, I think the the thing I said to him, like next time we talk, like you should show what you love, right? Do the other thing too, do the thing that somebody else thinks is right or that the the, the that's been roadmapped or prioritized, but also make the thing that you think really does solve the problem or changes the problem. Um, and then let's talk, and we'll see which one we pick, yeah. um, and we'll see which one the data proves out is, is right or wrong, and we'll probably be right fifty percent of the time, but at least. You know, um, we have that, and so um, it was really hard for the teams to go through that because it just meant this whole new process. Um, but it was really important for myself and for my boss to just um, understand all of the work that was happening. That was like the first part of it was just for us to see every single feature product that was getting put out into yeah. the world. Um, and so, you know, we created a funnel where you know. That with the funnel is hard because it sl- it actually slows down execution. Of course it does, and it slows down productivity. Um, but it was super helpful because um, we could learn and we could also um, help share out what we thought was important as well as a as a as like a design leadership team yeah. and help. Um, not to say that we were right, but just the things that we thought were important um, yeah. because they that's you can like stand on stage and say that stuff, but in, it, it only really comes to life when you're down. Yeah. With somebody making those decisions together, the, f- the funnel helps vest the other people in the decision yeah. as well, right? Yeah. Like it's a very yeah. inclusive, yeah. visible, yeah, transparent <clears throat> process. Yeah. yeah. So we did that. Um, it was hard. It's yeah. really hard for people, um, but it was valuable. I think most people would say that it was a valuable tool. We have since la- let that relax a bit yeah. because uh, we don't want to be a command and control company. We're absolutely trying to push as many decisions down into the teams as possible. Yeah. Um, um, but it was a valuable tool at that at that moment. Uh, learned a lot from that. Just that one. Thing. What, what's different about so we got the picture of the, your first six months here and what you mm-hmm. prioritized then, and of course, you understanding the world of yeah. eBay was the most important thing back then. Um, what is it today? What do you What do your days look like? What are you um, <clears throat> focusing on? It's a great question. Um, email. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Keynote. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No. Um, so. I think I spend, I would say that I spend a lot of time um, on alignment. Um, That's probably one of the biggest things. Um, Making sure that people um, in the design organization understand the context for why our company is doing things um, and why those, why those, why we're doing those things, why those things matter and why those, why they're important to do. and helping bringing people along, um, and then on the on the on the flip side is helping um, the executive leadership of the company understand, um, continue to understand how design can play a big role in continuing to transform the company. Um, so a lot about it is, is around context. A lot of it, a lot of it is around alignment, um, and and a lot of it is um, continuing to bring to light um, the important role that design can play. So it's. Even though it's three years in, it's a it's an everyday job. Job security, man. Job security. There we go. Yeah. No, it's super important. Um, what are the decisions that the design organization? Now you're the vice president of design for eBay at large, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. What are the designs that your organization is responsible for? The decisions that my organization yeah. is responsible for. Um, you know, it's interesting. Um, if I tried to pinpoint, like the the actual decisions that the team is responsible for, um, I don't know if I could. I don't know if I could pinpoint that because I think it varies per team, and I think it varies in the moment. Um, you know, I think people like the the pretty obvious answer is like the end to end customer experience. Um, and um, how that all maps together, yeah. um, and how um, 
you know how we actually how we actually manage to create great uh, experiences for people. Um, but I th- I think just saying that design owns a decision I think that's actually a problem. Oh. Um, so. Um, you know, it's hard when, when ownership is distributed, right? Like when decision-making is distributed, it can be very, very hard. Um, <clears throat> but I think, one, and when it's, what if it's design-making decisions versus product-making decisions versus engineering-making decisions versus marketing-making decisions, like you get into a turf war. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think what, what we try to spend our time focusing on is making sure the team is accountable and, and with that comes the decision-making, the decisions that go along with that. So if the Scrum team is responsible for you know, a user experience decision, it's not just a designer being like, well, it's my, I made, I'm the designer, and so this color red is what I've chosen. <laughs> I feel good about and I, that. And it is my decision, and so, you know, like, uh, like those, those days, I think are gone. Um, yeah. You know, I think there was a moment in time, probably up until about ten years ago, where design still was mostly rooted in um, graphic design or product design, where you have like a a designer. It's about the designer, right? It's about the designer you hire to make the logo for you, right? Like you hire Paul Rand to make a Paul Rand logo, yeah. and there's no questioning that, and it's just him and his way, and that's it. Um, but you know, creating um, interactive experiences is uh, centered around people. It's not centered around. It's not self-centered. It's user-centered, right? And I think um, we went through this transformation. I think it was like probably ten or fifteen years ago. But we never really reconciled it as a de- what it means for a designer to at, for for myself. Like going, I went through that transformation without even knowing it. Yeah. Um, but it is like if you're, you know, if you're sitting there just trying to own decisions as a designer, um, especially in a product design organization, um, and that's the thing that matters to you, it's going to be hard. It's going to it's going to be hard because you just don't. It's just not the way. It's just not the way it works anymore. I, I don't think anyway. Um, and I think you know, you can like own the. You know how you organize your sketch files. Like that's, <laughs> that's super cool. Now there's, there's like there, everybody. Everybody's <laughs> got their like list of things. Like I'm not that 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 and that. But like, I think um, we're all better for it if if the team's responsible um, for the decisions. Yeah. So when design is communicating its function to executives, mm-hmm. right, and to C levels. Um, what should they be focusing on then? Is it implementation? Is it process? Outcomes? Money? And this is tying back to the uh-huh. fact that the responsibility of the product is owned between mm-hmm. other roles outside of design. I think it varies. I think it's going to vary from team to team, from company to company, culture to culture. Yeah. I, I think it's, so. It's hard to just pinpoint exactly um, what that means across companies. But I would say at eBay, like for us, it's about making sure the customer and their context is represented. That's like balance, like we have to balance the customer need and the opportunity with what the business wants and needs. Um, and so for us, that's a big part about it. Um, and it's, you know, I think you could probably chunk it up to, to three things and it's um, sort of how we look at it, um, especially within our research organization. You know, what product should we be making? What product should we be making? Mm-hmm. What is the experience of that product? And then, what is the interface of that product? Um, how is it used? And like, I think if you sort of if you chunk those things out, like that's probably a pretty good way to, to to think about it. And it'll you know the presentation and the context will will vary depending on why you're talking about it. But I think those are pretty good sort of rubrics to to sort of bucket things into. Um, and it's a it's a good way if you can build some vernacular along those lines across teams and across the executive leadership, you can walk into a room and say, okay, we're talking about the interface today. We're talking about the experience today. We're talking about the, the, what the product is you know, conceptually. Um, it's, it can be a valuable way to sort of articulate that. So that's, I think that's, and it's, again, it's not the things that just design presents. It's what the team presents and what the team is, 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 is trying to push for. 
Um, what would you tell a business leader that's on the fence about investing, like really investing in design? I like this mark. <laughs> I would tell them that it's going to take a long time for the change to happen. And I would tell them that it's going to cost them a lot of money. And when I'd tell them that it's that designers are a pain in the ass. Yeah, they are. And that they're going to question everything. And I would tell them that we're going to blow stuff up. <laughs> and we're going to we're going to take a divot out of out of your profits. <laughs> and if they're still excited after I say all those things to them, then I know that like we're actually having a real conversation because they actually truly understand like how important it is. Um, I'm not saying to go do that. Like I, do. <laughs> yeah. I don't. So that's not like Dave. One. That's not like Dave's foolproof checklist yeah. to like you know uh, impress upon an executive the value of design. But I think um, again, it goes back to sort of managing change, right? Like the, everything we're talking about is change, and um, it requires uh, tenacity and it requires fortitude to, to do it. And if, if you're just sort of like, I don't know, this design thing sounds like it's cool, maybe it's not right for you. Um, um, I think it is right for you. Maybe you're just not ready for it yet. You need more and more, um, a better understanding of it. Um, and I think the last part of it is that I would impress upon something, uh, or I would be sort of looking at to see how an executive responds is by investing in design, you're not investing in something else. Mm. Opportunity cost. And so what are you willing to give up? What are you willing to deprioritize so that design can actually happen here? Um, and a good CEO would say nothing, because that's their job is to have cake and eat it. Yep. Um, <laughs> But it's you know those are um, those are important questions to get into because all yeah. they're all true like and we can sugarcoat it all we want to say like <clears throat> but just wait until you see what you get at the end yeah. uh, which is also um, a super important part of it but I think understanding that there are real trade offs uh, to making something like this happen is a big deal. So assuming somehow someone talks to the CEO and they drop all those things designers are pain in the ass to work with taking a divot out of your profits, all these things, and somehow they're, they're still in the room, still listening, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then from there, they give you some free way to bring design to this organization, mm -hmm. right? Um, three months down the line, six months down the line, like what should they be looking for to show that this yeah. is actually working, yeah. right? Progress is, um, is happening. You know, I feel like we, talk, we talked about it a little bit before of, um, you know, there's the outcomes, right? Like the outcomes, like great product experience, great yeah. X experience um, with you know everything up and to the right is um, I think that's what everybody wants you know and and thinks of design as a silver bullet um, and what I, I think what we were talking about before was like you know um, are people actually engaging it is is there tension is there debate about the efficacy of of what we're doing. If that's there, if that's happening, that's like a, actually a good sign because people are actually trying to rationalize it. Yeah. I think you know a little bit further down the line, when other people outside of design talk about the value of design, you know you're onto something, uh. right? When when you are not when people are doing your job for you, you know that like you're onto it. Um, when you have people in the product organization, and I'm not saying this happens ever, but if you had people in a product organization giving up their headcount yeah. for designers or giving their budget to design, you know you're onto something. Um, you know that you're making traction within the within the company, um, and those are you know there there's stages to that, right? Um, but I think it's you know you start to see how people accept things, and then they start to make it their own. Um, and we're having a lot, like at eBay, we're having a lot of success with that right now, where a lot of the things that we've been piloting over the past six months are now being adopted by the product organization. Yeah. Um, and part of you know the initial response is like, hey, that's our thing. We, we made that happen. And we're like, no way, man. Like, 
that means that it, it matters so much to the organization that they're they're willing to they want to take ownership of it. And so for me, like there's no better sign um, of 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 our success is when the rest of the company starts doing starts thinking like designers, starts doing like designers, and starts embracing it and taking ownership of it. Well, so this leads us to a series of questions that we sourced from our community. So we reached out to a bunch of people in the community and we asked them you know, what's kind of burning up in their mind at the mm -hmm. moment. And we have a few of these, so we're going to go okay. through these with you now. Let's do this. Okay, so, <laughs> so, our, first, yeah, so our, first, our first question is, um, how do you explain the role of design to people at eBay? I've done it a lot. Um, well, I think it varies to who, depending on who you're talking to. Um, I think the role of design, um, as I see it right now, is is again. I sort of feel like a broken record. Is to like bring the customer to life, understand the opportunity as it relates to the customer, and help actually manifest that that experience for them. Yeah. Like that to me is kind of. Um, a really important part of, of everything that we do. And it's the thing that we have to continue to push on. And um, you can't do wrong by bringing the customer to life. Um, another question we have is, how is the design organization um, structured at eBay? Oh, perfectly. <laughs> um, Good job well done. <laughs> um, <clears throat> Uh, without like getting in front of a whiteboard and drawing an organizational yeah. chart, uh, we are organizing. Yes. Yes. So over yeah, here on the left, me. and then yeah. Over, yeah. Yeah. Um, so we're 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 organized around two sort of main um, areas. One is the work that we do. Like yeah. we have a brand design team, and we have a core product team, and we have a um, new product design team, um, and they're working on different channels basically, um, and so they're organized by. Uh, the part of the business they support, and then we have, then we're organized by um, the function, right? So we have researchers and writers and uh, designers and prototypers and operations people, and so we're sort of organized around those two principles, um, and the functions feed into into the work streams. Um, we sit within the product design organization, so I report into the SVP of product, um, and but we serve. Uh, a pretty broad set of the company outside of product as well. Okay. When you're the only designer in a business, there are people, by the way, listening to this that are in a startup or even in a large company where they're a team of two. Yeah. Um, yeah. How do you explain the value of design to the non-designers in the company? Mm -hmm. um, drinks? Mm -hmm. mm. I... That's a good, that's a great question. Um, I find that, and it depends on what kind of design you're talking about. Are you talking about design thinking, or you know, design with a capital D, or you know, the, well, the, the, the activity of making uh, product? Uh, that that one's that's a hard one. To, if you're at that level where people are like, well, I might have an engineer friend who can just make the design. If you're at that level, then that's a, that's a that's a hard one. Um, I think. What I've found is uh, explaining it to the people is the hardest thing to do, and just doing it yeah. is the best thing. Like we're going to do a workshop tomorrow, a design thinking workshop, and we're just we're going to spend um, thirty seconds talking about what design thinking is, and then just get into a workshop. Nice. Um, and spend two hours with a bunch of like C level folks. With you know they're gonna they're gonna be sitting there with aluminum foil and pipe cleaners and all this kind of fun yes. stuff. Um, and to me, that that is the best way is to do it in practice and to bring them, al make them part of the process, yeah. as opposed to trying to articulate in some well-constructed, you know, theoretical uh, dissertation um, about the value of design. I think just get into it, show them the value of it. Another question we have is: How do designers at eBay measure and present their results? Mm. Um, this is coming from a place of, you know, design for whatever reason being seen as yeah. subjective, and yeah. you know, it's not tangible. Like, yeah. I'm just putting it out there and like hoping for the best. Yeah, um, 
Well, so it's it's part of it is being you know sort of data driven, um, and you know there's the there's there's some metrics out there that that are sort of tried and true. Like there's the A/B test. There's the the you know the sort of uh, before and after tests. There's um, the qualitative feedback. There's survey feedback. There's all of these things that are, and then there's like NPS, you know, net promoter mm-hmm. score. All those things that I think are not necessarily design oriented, but they're tools that designers can use to help articulate the success or failure of, of a, any particular decision. Um, the harder part is me- measuring um, the more fungible, the more uh, intangible um, components of, of what a great user experience is, right? Like, how do you measure delight? Right. How do you even define delight? Um, like, truly, how do you, what, what is the definition of customer delight? And so these are the things that, like, I don't know how many organizations or how many folks um, have actually solved that problem. Um, I'm hoping that somebody on one of the other podcasts can basically say, here is all of the... Uh, the magic bullet. Yeah, here's the, here's the silver bullet. Um, we spend a lot of time uh, working on that. It's one of our biggest initiatives as a design organization this year is figuring out a way to, design, to define and measure customer delight. Um, and um, happy to report back once we... Yeah, Um, but it's hard. It's really hard. Um, Yeah. So we'll finish with this last question. As the function of design continues to evolve, Mm -hmm. um, what are the roles and methodologies that you think will emerge in the next five years? Yeah. Um, Well, I can speak. You know, I don't see the future, but um, I can tell you just some of the some of the things that we're seeing in uh, my new product development. Uh, team, where we're designing um, the buzzword is conversational commerce, mm-hmm. um, which is basically commerce in chat, um, in WeChat, Messenger, Skype, wherever. Um, <clears throat> and um, for us, I guess there's a there's a couple things that are really interesting about it. Um, one, it's based around artificial intelligence, so designing f- for systems that will change over time based on user input dynamically. That's not a terribly new thing, but it's a thing that I think is really interesting in that space because the main interface is conversation. Yeah. Um, so that's that's one, I think, just um, the other part of that uh, around conversational commerce is the main thing you're designing is conversation. Um, and we, and we, you know, we, we launched a product that's uh, inside of Facebook Messenger. It's called ShopBot. Um, and you know we spent a we spent a bunch of time trying to work out um, how we can manipulate conversation to overcome some of the challenges with the interface. Yeah. Um, and so I think what you'll see is the 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 skill sets that designers have, especially as things go um, as, as interfaces become more ambient, um, you know, their voice or text or something besides the traditional interface. That the skill sets that a designer would require um, to have are far beyond um, than what we understand right now. Um, whether it's, you know, being a great writer um, or being a philosopher, like one of the things we're designing, we're designing the identity of this bot. Mm. Um, and so we have lots of philosophical conversations about not like the brand personality, but like what is the personality. Of this thing, yeah. is it human? Does it know it's? Does it know it's a robot? If so, is it? Does it understand it's kind of a big deal right now? Like yeah. you know, like and so, you find yourself like stretching outside of your traditional boundaries of what being a designer does. And I think, as more of these kinds of ambient experiences come to life, the more and more um, ambient experiences and artificial intelligent experiences come to life. You're going to find yourself in this place where you're um, making other things. You're making you're making decisions, design decisions, so that other things can make decisions later. And that is, you know, traditionally something that you know computer scientists did. And I think that that's going to happen more and more for designers. Um, I hope I'm retired by then. <laughs> Just kidding. Wow. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Dave. Thank you. Thank you. 
hey, you made it to the end. Congratulations. Thanks for watching the episode. I really, really hope you liked it. If you did like it, please leave us a review on the iTunes store. And by the way, if you have any questions that came up because of the content that, that we covered with our guests, go on YouTube, go on Twitter. You can tweet us. You can leave us a comment. We'll get back to you. We'll help you as much as possible. At High Res Podcast. That's the, the screen name or the handle for Twitter, for Instagram, for Facebook. Find us. Talk to us. We want to converse with you. Uh, we're not going to leave here, by the way, without also thanking our friends at Searle Video. They've been an amazing partner on this entire project. So Searle Video is a creative studio based out of Portland, Oregon. They've helped creative communities tell stories for over 10 years. They've done advertisements, behind the scene footage, um, and documentaries for companies like Google, Slack, XOXO Festival, Adobe, Intel. They're incredible. They've traveled with us through the entire country documenting these stories with our guests. That's incredible. Thank you so much, Searle. Listen, if you're a startup looking to elevate your product, if you're a big company looking to humanize your brand, if you're someone in the creative community who just wants to tell a story, you've got to check out the team at Searle Video. It's searlevideo.com, S-E-A-R-L-E, video.com. Check out our friends at Searle. Thank you so much, guys. You guys have been incredible on this project.